your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday. It's the most. It's kind of how I feel right now. <laughs> As there's a line a mile long, Anthony Chagoski to uh, rotary lights. So many. I'm sure there is. I mean, people are still in the Christmas spirit, even with everything that's going on. <laughs> yeah, I think I think maybe more so right now. Like we need Christmas spirit. We need rotary lights, and it's it's really nice out. It would it would be nice if it snowed. It would be nice if it snowed out, and then we you would get the the full experience of rotary lights during Christmas. But uh, but if it snows out, then alternate side parking begins, and uh, I think people will take the take the alter get rid of alternate side parking. We'll sacrifice the lack of snow. Well, when it's snowing, that's the time to go on foot. I think because just to enjoy the rotary lights while there are nice flakes of snow falling. I, I did that last year, and it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I poo-poo on drive-through rotary lights. I understand some people want to do that, right. and it's easier and and maybe safer if you want to like pretend to yeah. know it's pretend to know anything about a virus and a pandemic and walking around amongst people outside. I I don't think it's a big deal, but some people might be like, nope, I'm just not going to risk it. I'm going to drive uh, through the rotary lights and whatever. I to each their own, I guess. But yeah, I'm all. I'm all for walk, and I need to walk a little bit. Just need to, you you know, the, there's no exercise happening over here. Just walk, walk the dog a little bit, and that's about it. Um, well, I, I I'm with you on team go through it on foot, and yeah, I, I think you know people usually say that outdoors is better than indoors, and I think that's why you know so many public health officials are bracing for a surge of cases that might still be on the way to a certain extent coming off of the Thanksgiving holiday. And then you heard Dr. Fauci talking in just really dire terms about what he's expecting for Christmas and New Year's, because those are just kind of like, again, extended holidays where people are spending time indoors, people are traveling. So uh, I think it's a great time to get outside, Rick, and great time to take a do- the dog for a walk. Yeah, right. That's UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski. I will mention uh, we're talking about the virus a little bit. There was one more death today from COVID in Lacrosse County, and five more people hospitalized. That's twelve people in the last forty-eight hours have been hospitalized from the county, not into the county hospitals per se, but from the county. Uh, Gary Podesky is calling in. I think I, I'm guessing I know what Gary's going to talk about. But Gary, go ahead. You're on. <laughs> you may be right, Rick. Uh, I just wanted to announce that uh, uh, candidate, mayoral candidate Martin Gall and myself turned in his signatures today. We turned in 346 signatures. And I'm just curious what the uh, doctor professor thinks about the local mayoral race and if he has any thoughts on the candidates who have announced so far. I'm just curious. I will hang up and just uh, listen to you guys. Gary, did did you you. see the news I broke today, Gary? Yes, I, I, oh, okay. yes, that's what I'm kind of curious about between between uh, your old uh, coworker and some of the other candidates. In if the professor has any thoughts, yeah, thanks and thanks for the call, Gary. Uh, I will just I'll bring it up. I, I kind of buried that lead, I guess. But uh, Mitch Reynolds, the former host of this show, 
has announced that he is he has uh, filed papers. He's got to get signatures yet, but he's filed papers, so he's going to be running for mayor. That makes it uh, that may. I think we're up to four with uh, Jessica Olson and Martin Gall, the the council president. Jessica Olson's on the council, and then um, Greg Solarius, who uh, manages Sula's Sula's Cafe. Casina, Sula's Casina in downtown La Crosse. Um, yeah, the, and we can we can kind of get into this a little bit. Well, I potted Trigoski down. I hope you weren't talking Trigoski because I just turned your mic off. Um, the idea that there there is some the, 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 we were I was talking about this with uh, some coworkers today. The idea that uh, we talk about the election and everything nationally, and we're so obsessed with a lot of that stuff. We really need to start to get to know who is running for mayor, who we're going to vote to, for, maybe who is running for these. There's seven city council seats that are up for grabs, um, and six of those people are leaving. They're not coming back, so there's not even incumbents in six of those seats. And then there's obviously there's county board races every, uh, I think, two years. Um, so, you know, as, as important as it, as it is to think about what's going on nationally, even statewide, like, do you think it is more important for, you know, like, say, lacrosse to worry about lacrosse, city council, county board and mayor stuff more more so than state legislature and congressmen? Rick, in terms of the things that impact our day-to-day lives and in terms of quality of life issues, I would say absolutely And the odd thing about these elections is that they do greatly impact our day-to-day lives. And yet, two things happen. There is low voter turnout in these elections, and voters are typically uninformed about the candidates. So it's this weird situation where, in many ways, the most important elections have the lowest levels of voter knowledge and voter engagement, which can lead to some weird outcomes sometimes. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, this is probably a different discussion, but the, the idea that this has been floated, I asked the mayor real quick. He had like one and a half minutes to answer Uh, just the idea of, of uh, you have a mayor, but then you also have like a city administrator to just so, you know, we get in a position like this and I will say if Mitch was the mayor, He's a pretty smart guy. I think he'd figure it out. I don't know. Uh, you know, Jessica Olson's been on the city council, so she's kind of knows how the the, the go- city government works a little bit. Martin Gall's the council president. Um, the the restaurant owner. Let's say if we had a bunch of restaurant owners and people that have no idea how government works, I would be a little worried. Uh, are you guys gonna? Are, are, would you all know how how government works like that? You would figure it out eventually. But the idea of having a city administrator. Um, is, is that is that an idea that's getting more popular or less popular? Well, you know, Rick, I, I think it depends on what people want from their local government. Like, do they want that elected official to be active in the day-to-day functioning of the city, in the day-to-day decisions that go into running the city? And, and what you raise is such an interesting question. Like, what is the right experience for a mayor? Like, to what extent does private sector experience benefit you as a mayor? To what extent does public sector experience benefit you as a mayor? I don't have great que- I don't have great answers for that. But those are turning out to be the right questions to ask. I mean, just based on the, the candidate field that's emerging here in La Crosse. Yeah, and, and you can kind of, you, you look at each of the, you know, I, I know Mitch's history a little bit better than the other candidates, but I know Jessica Olson's family runs uh, a rental business, uh, like a housing rental business. That's about all I know about her. Uh, so she has some experience there, which is, uh, you know, kind of a big issue in lacrosse a lot of the times. And 
and Martin Gall's the council president, so Martin Gall hasn't called me back or emailed me back. So we'll see <laughs> if he wants to get on the show. But eh, actually, maybe he did email me back. I think it was more of a press release type situation. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think you know as we as we head to February, where there will likely be a um, the thing where you all vote, where there's more than one mayor candidate, more than three mayor candidates, uh, primary. There it is. Uh, we, you know, we should start getting to know these candidates. But first, we're going to get to know what Brad Williams has. For the news, we'll be back after this. That's what we need right now. Some snow. It's an Andy Williams Friday for UW Lacrosse political <laughs> science professor Anthony Tregoski. I only have four Andy Williams, one, two, five Andy Williams songs. So uh, we'll we'll probably get them all in. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Eric will get to you in a minute. We were talking about uh, just mayor. You, you, we were talking about local elections, and you mentioned the fact that they, they have the least voter turnout. And I think maybe yep. – so when the April election comes about, like the, the voter turnout we would suspect for the city of La Crosse will be fairly high, will it not? Or is it or even there, when there's a mayor on the ballot, that would that – even there, you're going to see lower lower voter turnout. Even there, Rick. Even there, and, and the mayoral mayoral race might give it a boost, but it just in general terms, you're still going to see pretty low participation. And like we talked about, it, it's a real shame that that happens because of the great effect that city government has on our day to day lives, on our quality of life. So it's it's very likely that there will be low turnout. And that means that, you know, who shows up to vote might not be representative of the entire city, right? I mean, you might have sort of the people with the loudest voices and the strongest opinions being motivated enough to show up to vote. And then the people who are pretty apathetic about politics or just disengaged with politics staying home and maybe not even being aware that there's uh, an election going on. Well, I know there's a 22-year-old for, uh, UW Lacrosse recent graduate in here, and he's voting. He's like, I'm going to vote for Mitch. And I was like, oh, boy, the 22-year-olds are voting. Look out. And then nobody's thinking. Speaking of people that don't know anything about politics, me and the 22-year-old. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. You're a political junkie, according <laughs> right. to Ron Khan. According to Ron Khan. Yeah, and, and maybe I am. It doesn't mean I know anything about politics. I will be the first to tell you that. When I talk about everyone else being experts in in vaccines and politics and elections and all that, I am not an expert in any of that stuff, but I'll bring. that's why I bring you on. So, um, yeah, we, we, we also, a little bit of news, and I think Brad broke it as well, is that Mitch Reynolds is the former host here, so we're kind of excited that he's also running for mayor. And we can see what kind of trouble we get him into when he comes on the show. I think he, uh, hopefully he can come on Monday. He still actually has a job, too. But uh, we'll go to the phones right now. Eric from Sparta is calling in. Eric, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I think uh, a good uh, challenge for Mitch Reynolds would be uh, like something like Chip Denner or Doug Farmer. Both of those guys would be excellent, excellent mayors, as my view. And uh, sorry if I disappointed you and your whatever it is next. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Why would why is that disappointing? I don't, and he's and you're not next to me, but yeah, I understand. He's this is radio. I should I could I could say that you're on the phone. I suppose um, Doug Farmer. I think the Doug. I think Doug Farmer is the one that lost to Mayor Cabot in 2013. Uh, we're never going to see 
Jurgowski, we're never going to see a, a, an unopposed race ever again, are we? Like for, like Ron Kine ran unopposed a couple couple of uh, terms ago. The mayor ran up unopposed last time. I mean, that's maybe for city council, but that seems ridiculous now in this day and age. Yeah, Rick, and I think unopposed elections are a terrible, terrible thing because. The incumbent has to be held accountable. There has to be a challenger to point out the reasons why the incumbent maybe shouldn't get reelected. And if it's this open seat like we have right now on the cross, there has to be different ideas and different visions presented. And people have to have the opportunity to choose between those different visions. And, Rick, that's why I'm hoping that this election does clarify the differences between these candidates. Because one thing I've noticed in local elections is it's sometimes difficult to tell just where candidates differ from one another. Uh, so I'm hoping that the candidates, you know, present their vision, but that the voters get a clear sense of, you know, what are the distinctions between these candidates in terms of where they would take the city? Yeah, and 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 some people just want to be. Are you a Democrat or a Republican? It's always kind of funny there. Like, hey, you know what? Right. I'm not going to let you know because then then you're just going to sway your vote. How about you listen to my ideas? Um, Nick Nick asked a pretty good question, and and you, you'll have an answer for this. If you had a city administrator, Chagoski, what is the mayor for? Just photo ops, or does do, do why even have a mayor? Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a perfectly valid question, right? I mean, (laughs) and that's, I mean, that's kind of like the situation that many cities have and and many local areas have where the mayor is essentially a symbolic role or just has sort of like ceremonial functions. So, yeah, I mean, you know, what would the role of the mayor be with the city administrator? I don't exactly know. But that is a relevant question for people to ask, because, you know, do we want a city administrator running the show or do you want an elected official running the show? You know, I think there are pros and cons to both. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you would basically be relegating the mayor to kind of more of a just a ceremonial and symbolic role. There's a there's a dog in Coromar, Cormorant, Minnesota. It's a great Pyr- Pyrenees. Uh, named Duke, a nine-year-old dog. Well, this, well, however old the story is, I don't think it's uh, 2016. The dog Duke was the mayor of the town. So that I feel like if you had the dog Duke, the mayor of your town, city administrator, very necessary. <laughs> well, Rick, this shows what a joke a lot of local elections are because of just the insanely low engagement they get from the public the low information, because there aren't party labels. Uh, and, and Rick, like you said, you know, people are like, well, who's the Democrat and who's the Republican yeah. in this race? And and that's normally how people decide ele- uh, in terms of how they vote, but that's not possible in these local elections. So it requires the voters to get educated, to get informed. Unfortunately, lots of people decide to tune out and to not get involved and to not be engaged. And like I said, that just leads to really low engagement. And I do have real concerns about what low engagement means for local politics, because if you have low engagement, can sort of like a small group of extreme voices basically call the shot? 
Yeah, I would say that, it, you know, you talk about people need to get educated. Then it falls also upon, right, the local media. It falls upon me. Yeah. It falls upon you on Fridays. <laughs> no, but it falls upon, <laughs> it, it, it. I think we have a fairly decent, uh, you know, cast of local media from the newspaper to the radio to the TV stations. I think we, we might we might be pretty well covered here. Uh, maybe we could do better, but... Uh, when it comes to the mayor race, I, I think maybe if people if the people won't have to dig very far, hopefully uh, in a couple of weeks or maybe a month uh, to find out who's who. When 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 we when we get these mayor candidates official, I think that happens the third, maybe the first, second or third week in January. One of the weeks in January is when they have to be all, all filed up. That is, and, you know, my, that's very much my hope, Rick, that, and, and I do also have confidence that the local media will be able to deliver uh, in terms of giving the voters information about these candidates. Because, again, you know, you, you don't have that party shortcut. You don't have that party shortcut that so many people use. And so people are going to have to go to the polls with knowledge about these candidates. And that really does place a lot of responsibility on the local media. So uh, no pressure, Rick, but, you know, I guess the future of lacrosse hinges on lacrosse talk BM. I know. I got to bring every candidate on and just grill them <laughs> for an hour like I do here. Um, the OK, so Mayor Cabot is obviously he's he's leaving office. The, it, this makes him a lame duck mayor, right? Is this the is this the is this the official way you would call somebody a lame duck mayor? Because they're they said they le- are leaving office like President Trump's a lame duck president because of a different circumstance right he lost an election i guess lame duck is lame duck right if you're leaving office or is there a technic technic a technicality there i think that's the term i would use rick because he has announced that he's not running for re-election and he's still in office and i would categorize anyone in that situation as a lame duck all right so he's got a couple of months here okay so this is this is i remember now exactly what i with the mayor, I knew, I knew I had a lame duck situation. So when when the elections happen in April for mayor, so our mayor is Mayor Cabot is the mayor until the elections, and then the next day we get a new mayor. Is that how that works? I guess I've never thought about this, and I should I could have googled it, but it just seems weird to me that we don't have you know with the president and with Congress we have this yeah. like we have this this period of time where there's a transition. But it, from what I see, the mayor is the mayor until the election, and then the next day we have a new mayor. Well, the crazy thing, Rick, is that, I mean, there's this huge variation in how long that transition period is. Like, it could be one day for the mayor. It could be several months for the president. Actually, the presidency used to have an even longer period before, uh, even a longer transition period. Uh, So, and, you know, these transitions are important, right? I mean, especially when the position has actual, like, responsibilities, like the mayor of La Crosse. So, yeah, I mean, like, these transitions are not trivial matters at all, you know, whether it's the president or whether it's the mayor of La Crosse. Yeah, I'm all for the uh, the idea. I don't know. I've, actually, now I'm thinking about this a little bit more. The idea that the mayor is the mayor until he until the election, and then the next guy takes over that day. I kind of like that idea, except that this mayor is a lame duck mayor, so he could be doing anything he wants right now. There's no consequences. I guess we, it's not like we're going to kick him out of office because he's leaving. So you know, if he wants to put blue babies all over the city like those herons. <laughs> Uh, are all the you know if he wants to have an army of blue babies? I brought that up with him on Monday. I'm like, just just do it, Mayor. And there's no consequences. <laughs> Rick, 
this is the big problem with lame duck politicians is that, you know, unless they plan to run for office again in the future, they're basically unaccountable to the voters. And, and I mean, there are norms about what you do when you're a lame duck. The norm is that you don't do anything to shake things up that much. The norm is that you take modest actions, if any. You know, you don't do anything huge during your lame duck period. But, you know, sometimes we have interesting lame duck periods, like the transition from Scott Walker to Tony Evers, uh, when we had changes to the powers of the governor and the attorney general. And uh, I, I would happen to say, you know, I, I, I might just... Uh, characterize this current period as an interesting one for the presidency. But, but yeah, I mean, the norm, it is just a norm, though. It is just a norm that, you know, you don't shake things up that much while you're a lame duck. Yeah, and we we always do that. We say it's the norm, the unwritten rules, the precedent has been set. But we have the president, the, the unprecedented president in office for the last four years, uh, you know, every other day it was, I, this is unprecedented. And it's like, okay, well, then make some rules for this. I feel like we need to make some rules for lame, for, for lame ducks. Lame, we need some lame duck stuff. We need some lame duck rules. But uh, we can get into that in just a minute. We're going to get Scott's comment here and the news. And we're, we're going to break down. I think we could break down some more of that lame duck stuff. And then maybe even uh, what's happening uh, to our court system with uh, the, the Trump trying to overturn the election. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to an Andy Williams Friday, an Andy Williams and Anthony Tregoski Friday on the Crosstalk PM, 608-785-7914. Uh, we're talking about, a little bit of, talking about a little bit about the lame duck situation that Mayor Cabot is in, where he's not going to be the mayor, and, and just main, the, the whole idea of lame ducks. But Nick texted in, what would, if we had a, you know, since we're going to have an open seat for mayor, and we could have 10, 15 candidates, who knows how many will will uh, get in on this race? As we learn, Mitch Reynolds, former host of this show and news director here, is getting in on the race. But Nick asked about having a city administrator, and he and then he said, "Thanks for asking, Tregoski that." And he says, "It seems like an administrator would be doing the job as mayor, and then we would just be paying the mayor to sit around renaming the position, yet keeping two of them." Uh, what do you think, Tregoski? Is it kind of silly to have to even have a mayor at that point, and even have an elected official there? Well, I, I think there's something to be said for Nick's uh, opinion there. I think there really is. And it gets to two questions, right? Like, what should the role of the mayor be? And should elected officials be making those, like, key day-to-day decisions in running the city? Or do we want sort of a, an administrator to do that? Uh, what is the best in terms of the functioning of the city? And what is the best in terms of just the accountability to the public? Um, so, you know, I, I definitely see where Nick is coming from, because I think from his point of view, we need someone who is sort of directly accountable to the voters running running the show. Right. And, and then... On the flip side, if we have 10 people running for mayor, it really skews the, the amount. of We don't have ranked choice voting in the cross, so everyone's vote would be spread out. We'd go from 10 to 2, and then you never know what 2 would end up. Whoever's paying attention to, uh, oh, there's a, what is it, a February election for mayor? There's a, run, there's, a, there's a primary? I didn't even know that happened. So 
uh, you never you never know. The only the groups that uh, that are paying attention then get in on who's going to be your next mayor, and then you get the two candidates, and maybe neither of them have any idea on how to be a mayor. And Rick, we got to keep in mind as we've talked about during the show that group paying attention is a rather small minority of all voters. So that's the group that is going to be kind of filtering out these choices. All right. So we, we have like, I have a little bit of breaking news and maybe it's just a re a rewrite on the AP wire, but you have some breaking news. I'll tell you this Congress averts shutdown buys time for more COVID talks. You probably knew this, but Congress was good. The government was going to shut down. Unbelievable. They got together and figured out how to keep the government running. I can't believe it. They, they finally came together and, you know, a bipartisan manner to keep themselves uh, afloat. Rick, this isn't surprising to me. The COVID talks in terms of a new COVID relief bill, they are very much ongoing, but they are also in a great state of uncertainty right now. And as the week went along and as there was real uncertainty about, you know, just the plausibility of reaching a deal by the end of the week, I was expecting that Congress would pass a stopgap bill to extend funding for the government for another week to yeah. buy another week for Congress to try to hash something out. Because right now, I, I mean, I think the parties are talking, there are proposals on the table, but we're right now still a bit of a ways from a deal. We're going to have this conversation next week. The, the deadline for the government <laughs> to shut down is next Friday night. So we'll do it all over again uh, next week. Stay tuned. <laughs> and then just push it for another week and reach a deal on Christmas. Yeah, right. Just do it. Just do I'm not going to be here on Christmas. I don't think so. Uh, let's do it on Thursday. Um, but but on, on the flip side, there's both been U.S. Supreme Court and Wisconsin Supreme Court news, right? Yeah, the United States Supreme Court has rejected Texas's and Trump's bid to overturn the election results in the state of Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and Michigan. This was the big one that Donald Trump was talking about. He was urging and has been urging for a number of days for the U.S. Supreme Court to take this case that has been filed by Texas and has been supported by a number of House Republicans uh, like Jim Hagedorn in, uh, across the border and uh, you know, just the, the significant majority of House Republicans were on board with this particular, particular challenge to the election outcomes in key states that Biden won, Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. But the U.S. Supreme Court has declined to hear that case. And so we are on track for the Electoral College to vote on Monday and to affirm that Joe Biden won the election now that the Supreme Court has said, uh, has given the thumbs down to hearing this uh, this latest challenge. Okay, but but the Wisconsin Supreme Court has a is, is taking a lawsuit. So what's the difference here? Yeah. Now, on the other hand, the Wisconsin Supreme Court has agreed to hear a case over the weekend concerning the recounts in Dane County and Milwaukee County. The judge who ruled on this in state court today said, you know, that there was nothing unusual that happened in these recounts. There was no evidence of widespread fraud. There were no irregularities or any any wrongdoing that was apparent in the conduct of these recounts. Uh, but the state Supreme Court has agreed to hear the case. But, Rick, the important thing here is that this only applies to the state of Wisconsin. The case that the United States Supreme Court was considering and that they have decided not to hear 
involved four really pivotal states in this election. This justifies to the state of Wisconsin. So we'll see what the Wisconsin Supreme Court does over the weekend. Again, they've got to act quickly because on Monday, those 10 electoral votes will be awarded to Joe Biden in Wisconsin unless something truly crazy happens. So the, the the ruling, it seems to me, because the if Biden's votes were flipped to Trump for some reason, uh, the, it, it wouldn't matter overall. But is there a, is there something down the road that the, if the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Trump administration somehow, I don't even understand it totally. W- would this ruling have some uh, happen down the road? Would it would it have some consequences? Is that what's going to happen well, here? Uh, no, I, Rick, I, you know, this this Supreme Court r- ruling with regards to this Texas challenge, this was always a long shot, and this was always a Hail Mary. And right, but they're, they're, throwing that was, one. they're throwing that one out. But what about the Wisconsin Supreme Court one? Because they're actually going to rule on this this weekend, so they could have a ruling on something, and then, but but it doesn't matter because Biden's ten electoral votes in Wisconsin wouldn't matter in the in terms of the election. But would it matter in terms of something four years from now, or say for for, for example? Well, well, you could always appeal this ruling. Um, whatever is going to come from the Wisconsin State Supreme Court, you could always appeal that ruling to the United States Supreme Court. But in terms of the immediate consequences. The the more consequential decision here is the United States' Supreme Court, their decision not to hear the Texas challenge those four states. Certainly we'll be paying close attention to the Wisconsin State Supreme Court over the weekend because, again, those electoral votes are going to be cast on Monday. So, you know, it's going to have to happen quickly, whatever the Wisconsin State Supreme Court does with regard to its consideration of these recounts in Dane and Milwaukee counties. But but ultimately, this thing is over, Rick, and it's been over for a long time. And this is, I think, the final nail in the coffin. This this uh, for for any shot that Trump would have of you know somehow overturning the results of these elections, um, it's clearly over at this point because the the final shot was for the Supreme Court to intervene. It has decided not to intervene. And this did, thing is over. It, the, it just is. Did the Supreme Court look at the, whatever they filed and go, you know, you you misspelled Louisiana on the first page here, so uh, we're we're actually not going to take this. We're not going. You know, whatever. I know it wasn't Louisiana. I know you were saying that on uh, one of the filings somewhere. There's been a lot of uh, just just misspellings and leaving out information, and and you know, the idea of having evidence would be great too. But the, the they're also just the, the like throw it in Google Docs and hit when the when the uh, words come with red lines under them, change those words, people. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, Rick. I mean, the the lawsuits were sloppy in how they were written. They had some weird arguments in certain places. They had some factual errors in other places. And ultimately, Rick, what we have just seen is that five justices were not willing to hear this case uh, because that's the magic number for this particular case. Would five of the nine justices agree to hear this case? Now, if you count John Roberts, you know, there are, there are six conservatives on the Supreme Court. This means that at least two conservatives declined to hear the case. 
And, and so this isn't a matter of, you know, the liberal wing of the court calling the shots. This is a matter of the conservative wing of the court not being on board with this ruling, at least not being unified in terms of wanting to consider this case. So Donald Trump was putting tremendous pressure on the United States Supreme Court to take this case up. It has decided not to, and this basically exhausts the legal options that the Trump campaign has. So what you're saying is most of the Supreme Court is part of this deep state trying to get (laughs) Trump out of office. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, you know, because it, it took conservative votes to deny this hearing, right? I mean, like, if the con- if all the conservatives on the Supreme Court had been unified in wanting to take this case, they could have taken this case. So, so here's the text. to do so. Here's the text. Like, you explain this to me, then. Why? What is this thinking? Libertarian guy. Final nail in the country's coffin. You say it was the final nail in the coffin of these these cases. Well, the the final nail in the country's coffin. What? What? Where is he getting this? Like, why would it? Why? What's the conspiracy here? Well, I mean, if it is a conspiracy, then you have lots and lots of judges in on this conspiracy. Uh, you have a majority of the Supreme Court in on this conspiracy. You have attorneys general in on this conspiracy. You have election officials in on this conspiracy. You have the people who are conducting the recounts in on this conspiracy. You have thousands of people in on this conspiracy if there was a conspiracy to steal this election and i think that's why there just there was no there there when it came to so many of these these legal challenges yeah they did get a slight win in the sense that the wisconsin supreme court is going to at least consider their objections to the the processes in this recount but that is just an agreement to hear the case. It doesn't say, say that they're going to decide it one way or the other. So this is, I mean, you know, it, it's just, this is, this is the end of the road for Donald Trump's campaign. This is the end of the road for his legal challenges. And, and the you know, en- that's just the reality. And the end of the road for the country, apparently. <laughs> yes. Man, this, it's, well, un- yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, according to Libertarian Guy. It's unbelievable how organized the whole is it the left? I don't even know because it's not the left anymore. You're saying a lot of the right is in on the quote unquote conspiracy. Very organized, like millions of people and thousands of like judges and hundreds of, you know, Supreme Court, whatever. It was just hundreds of judges and election officials and electoral elector electors or whatever. Uh, it's so organized, yet they, they forgot to get the Senate in on the conspiracy. Why didn't they get the Senate? While we're doing this, we should have, the Democrats should have taken the Senate. We just forgot? Unbelievable. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the worst conspiracy ever because the Democrats lost seats in the House and they massively underperformed in these Senate races. So, like, it, it was a very poorly carried out conspiracy for sure. Or the most well thought out conspiracy where we don't look too guilty as Democrats. Hey, let's lose a couple <laughs> of House seats. We'll still have the House Let's lose some ground in the. Did we lose ground in the Senate? I guess I don't even know if we lost ground in the Senate, right? We kind of maintained the Senate where we don't. We didn't take the Senate though, as Democrats. Well, well, the Democrats were widely expected to take the majority, or at least they they were perceived to have an excellent chance of taking the majority in the Senate. And it, I mean, aside from defeating Donald Trump, what would the Democrats? 
rather do aside from taking the keys away from Mitch McConnell when it comes to the United States Senate, taking away the majority from him. I mean, they would be desperate to do that, you would think, and they failed to do that. Or and they that tried ended up being a massive failing for the party. They tried to look like they failed to do that, but really they just <laughs> wanted the keys out of Donald Trump's hands and we're to not look too guilty, Chagoski, not look too guilty. We're gonna let the Senate keep maintain and we're gonna give them a few we're gonna really not make them look guilty. We're gonna give them a few seats in the House back. Um if the if if Democrats could choose Donald Trump, you could stay president, but but the Democrats get a whatever the a good majority in the House. What do they need? Sixty seats. What's the what's the good majority where where the the Republicans wouldn't have much of a say in the Senate? Uh, Rick, it's the sixty vote magic number because there's this odd procedural matter in the Senate where for a number of policies, a number of proposals. It takes 70 votes, uh, 60 votes effectively to pass them. And I mean, goodness gracious, uh, you try to get 60 votes in today's Senate. Good luck. Yeah, it doesn't happen often and it's very difficult to do. So that is why the Senate just works at a snail's pace. Now, they have sped things up dramatically when it comes to dealing with these judges and arguably Mitch McConnell's top priority during the Trump administration has been just speeding these judicial nominations through the Senate. There's a much faster track to doing that. But to handle most policy items, it does take 60 votes. And wow, I mean, in today's political climate, good luck with that. All right. So, again, if if Democrats could pick Trump, you get to be president, but we get the 60 in the House. Or not in the House, in the Senate. That would they would they pick that, or do you think they would just go with what's what what we have now, or what we will have well, in January? The, the thing is, Rick, like they could that President Trump could still veto their proposals in that situation because it takes a two thirds majority to override a veto. So I think a lot of their agenda would still be blocked in that situation because of the veto okay so but it wouldn't look very good on donald trump when uh if the senate was democrat and the house was democrat and we're just giving everybody in the nation 1200 a month through the pandemic and then trump's vetoing that that wouldn't look great i don't know i feel like uh maybe maybe pitchforks and uh tiki torches Well, hey, we we all we all want our twelve hundred, and that is definitely one of the outstanding issues in these uh, stimulus slash recovery slash COVID nineteen talks, and so uh, that is a sticking point still. So, uh, you know, it, will will twelve hundred dollars show up in your bank account? You'll have to stay tuned. Right. It's just uh, baffling to me that we we really how how would we get help people get through this pandemic? Oh, let's do. Let's do loans. Let's do small business loans. Let's do that. Um, all right, man. I'll let you go. Thanks a lot for joining me. This is Dr. Anthony Tragoski. Uh We'll have breaking news again next Friday when the government just yes. barely averts another shutdown. <laughs> another news dumb Friday, Rick. <laughs> right. All right. Thanks, man. <laughs> See you, Rick. All right. We got to take one more quick break and then we'll wrap up. 
It's reassuring having somebody come into your home that knows what they're doing. At one point, you thought it was just short term. Now you're realizing your home could use some electrical upgrades, more outlets for laptops for school and work, a new baseboard heater to warm that chilly home office. Call Mr. Electric for expert electrical service. Get a firm quote on the spot and complimentary home safety checkup. And chances are work will be done the same day. Expert electrical service, Mr. Electric. Get the rest you deserve with Helix Sleep. Helix makes personalized mattresses to fit your unique body type and sleep preferences and give you the best sleep of your life. Go to helixsleep.com and get up to $200 off mattress orders. To the bottom of the barrel on Andy Williams, even though Anthony Chagoski's gone. The, see, this time, this is too slow for a Friday. Not into super slow Christmas songs right now. Gotta have something better. Soon it will be Christmas Day. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air. All right, here we go. This is better. This is a little better. This is kind of my go-to. This is a good Friday get-out song, right? Has everyone watched Home Alone so far this Christmas season? Is Home Alone a Christmas movie? Girlfriend argued that it wasn't a Christmas movie, and I was like, it's the whole premise is based around Christmas. People are going on vacation for Christmas. Unbelievable. And then you can get into the, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? That one's a little harder. I still think it's a Christmas movie. Also takes place during Christmas. They're literally having a Christmas party. And uh, my Christmas go-to is Home Alone, Elf. My dad hates uh, Will Ferrell, but I love Elf. I love that movie. And uh, Christmas Vacation. I think those are my top three. I don't really... There might be a... There might be a... One of those claymation movies. I can't think of the one with Santa. The one with Rudolph, right? That one's kind of funny. And the Misfit Toys, whatever that one's called. That, that's kind of a fun one to watch, but I'm not. it's not a go-to. It's not. It's no Christmas vacation, I'll tell you that. All right, again, appreciate Dr. Anthony Tregoski joining us on a Friday again. A Friday news dump as the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court decides to take on whatever the Trump election thing that we all pretend to be experts on. And the U.S. Supreme Court decides not to take on whatever other Trump election thing in the well, I guess it's the Texas one, the, the big one. Trump says that the U.S. Supreme Court says, "Ah, eh, we're good. We're not going to take on that one because uh, it's insane," and and that's it. And then, uh, according to the Libertarian guy, the the country is a nail in the coffin. And according to Shigowski, Trump's uh, ability to be president just hit the nail in the coffin. All right, that's all I got. Thanks, guys.